Hey there, Professor Kwong in the English department here. Are you interested in delving into a community of thinkers, readers, and intellectually engaged students using writing to explore the world as it is and imagine the world as it could be? Have you ever felt writer's block while trying to craft an essay and wished you could see how other students had approached the challenge of turning their thoughts into fully formed sentences, paragraphs, arguments, poems, stories, and word palaces? Welcome to City Tech Writer the journal of outstanding, faculty-sponsored student writing that I edit and that you, the student body of CityTech, create. Go to citytechwriter.com and you'll be able to peruse last year's first ever all-digital issue of this interdisciplinary publication. In addition to finding your fellow students' written pieces, you'll also find audio versions, supplementary videos, accompanying images, and a gallery of inspiring photographs taken by our very talented communications design students. This year, CTW is expanding into new territory with a student film, a mini documentary on Asians at CityTech, and even more features to bring our writers' words to life. Go to openlab.citytech.cuny.edu slash citytechwriter to see a list of CTW-related events, including a screening of the short film AirPods, a virtual reception launching Volume 17 on May 5th, and a second event in May tied to AAPI Heritage. And if you're bummed that you missed your chance to submit this year, get inspired for your submission to next year's issue by looking at CTW Volume 16 at citytechwriter.com. CityTechWriter, where words become worlds. Uh, so, welcome to City Tech Stories, podcast highlighting the experiences and voices of the City Tech community. Uh, each episode will center around a theme and a perspectives from across the college. Uh, my name is Jerry Tidal, and I am the web services and multimedia librarian for City Tech. And I'm Nora Almeida, instruction and outreach librarian for City Tech. My name is Professor Lucas Kwong. I'm in the English department. I teach comp and literature, including uh, next year's course on Gothic Lit, and I'm also the editor of City Tech Writer, the journal of outstanding student writing from all disciplines. Hi, my name is Emily. I'm a senior, and I major in business and technology of fashion. I'm Attilio, and uh, I'm an adjunct lecturer at City Tech and a master's uh, student in data analysis and uh, visualization at uh, the Graduate Center. Great. Well, thanks for you know joining us. Uh, Lucas, Emily, and Atelio, all of you are special guests for this, this episode. Um, and this episode will center about uh, the City Tech Writer and, you know, your perspectives on it. So I guess, uh, you know, if, if each of you could just tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and what you do here at the college. And Lucas, you can go ahead and, and go first. Yeah, sure. So as I said, um, I teach literature as well as composition classes. And I particularly specialize in online asynchronous instruction right now. That was, of course, somewhat uh, motivated by our circumstances. But, uh, you know, I've been interested in the future of online learning for a while, which is part of what drew me to working on City Tech Writers All Digital uh, Edition. Uh, as I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, it had previously been all print, but uh, I'm really excited to uh, put out, or with the help of students, put out this year's second iteration of the all digital issue so that, you know, we can all celebrate in different formats the work. Emily, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're working on or how you're involved in the City Tech Writer? Um, yeah, so I do a lot of freelancing social media work. So um, I work as a social media influencer. I hate 
saying that term, but um, a content creator. So I'm always on social media all the time. Um, so I got asked by my professor to write an English paper and he told me to choose whatever topic that felt right to me. And during that time period, I was just seeing so much negative backlash all over on social media because unfortunately it is my job and I always have to consistently see these things. So that's what compelled me to talk about like Asian attacks and just like talk about my feelings towards it and my personal um, projections towards the whole entire thought process. And how about you, Atelia? What's your uh, your connection with City Tech Writer and, and City Tech? Sure. Um, so I uh, started uh, I started teaching uh, remotely just as um, the uh, the university um, kind of you know began that process, um, and so uh, I had uh, up until a few months ago never actually been to City Tech, so I was. You know, I was part of uh, the community, but didn't really feel that way. Um, so I, uh, so um, I wanted to just, you know, kind of immerse myself and see what was going on. Um, and I got, uh, you know, like a, a notice, uh, just kind of explaining the city tech writer, but uh, you know, explaining that um, uh, there wouldn't be a, a specific release. And then, then I kind of uh, went to see, uh, went to check it out, and uh, I was just stricken and like didn't want to see uh you know such like interesting student work you know go unnoticed and then celebrated uh so um i'm also a software developer uh, and a web developer uh and i and that's kind of when i contacted uh, uh professor kwong and was like hey uh, maybe we should work on like putting out a, uh, making this a website so people can still you know celebrate student work and stuff and from then on <laughs> sounds great Yeah, thanks everybody. So, um, yeah, so we just like to hear a little bit more about what the City Check Writers uh, is and maybe a little bit of the history and about the theme for this year's uh, issue. Sure, so maybe I'll start with the theme. And usually, actually, City Check Writer doesn't have a particular theme beyond just trying to showcase the most interesting, thought-provoking, lyrical, uses of the written word from all disciplines. Some people mistake it for being an English department only uh, publication, but we do, um, we do publish work from a wide variety of disciplines. Uh, that said, I'd say one motif that emerged this year is an emphasis on evolution, cyclical progression. And uh, that theme actually emerged out of Amberly Lima's design for the banner, which, uh, um, Atilio will say more about, I think. It's a wonderful riff on Art Deco. Art Deco, of course, being an early 20th century aesthetic that emerged out of futurism. And it was sort of seen at first as associated with luxury and excess. But during the 30s, a kind of more subdued Art Deco emerged because the old style was too kind of evocative of, of the Gilded Age, right? So, you know, you fast forward a century, here we are processing another global trial, not the Great Depression, but the coronavirus that is testing our faith in the future. So I think in a historical context, it's really lovely to have a nod to Art Deco that represents the themes that pop up throughout the issue, you know, how to retain faith in the future, how to preserve the best of the past without letting its dark side entrap us. And so I think that's wonderful because as a writing instructor, I think writing is also predicated on returning to earlier thinking and revising it uh, continually with an eye to progress, which is actually integral. Have you ever 
the work that I do with uh, students. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry, I, I accidentally. Um... Oh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's what the theme is. Um, maybe I'll, I'll let Atilio say a little bit more about uh, uh, bringing it to the digital space and then I'll, I'll back up maybe and give a little bit of history of prior to that. Cool. Um, so yeah, I think um, something that um, was pretty exciting to think about um, when bringing it to an online uh, to an online space is that um, uh, because we kind of had uh, like full control over the user experience and the design, um, uh, we uh, were able to uh, kind of uh, design the user experience. Uh, uh, somewhat around, uh, you know, the cover. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, had, uh, had some like basic like interactivity and animation built in, uh, around the, around the cover image. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, with, with, with subsequent, uh, in, in this new issue, like we, we get to like isolate parts of the, um, parts of the, you know, the winning cover for, uh, for the main branding of the site, um, and, uh, you know, work with it that way. So that, that was a, uh, and an especially interesting part for me too. Uh. So I guess one thing that I'll say is that, you know, without Atilio's, you know, wizardry, digital wizardry, the digital issue would have been pretty basic. Uh, and that's because prior to 2020, as I said, it was mainly a print journal that just happened to put PDFs online. So when Atilio reached out, I thought about, well, you know, it would be great if we're going to put it online to have it more than just a PDF that happens to have a URL attached. Um, but also to preserve the best of what we've done. This, this um, journal was actually founded back in 2006 by Professor Jane Mushaback. And if you look through the earlier journals, it is a testament to just the diversity of thought and experience from so many different quarters of the college. So I was thinking about how to spotlight that diversity that range, and then add into the mix a diversity of mediums. So I was having an exchange with Professor Stella Nicolau in communications design, and she was talking about how she converts text to audio format. So that opened up a whole new uh, avenue, right? Um, so I thought about, well, what if we could include audio versions of different essays, also supplementary videos, supplementary accompanying images I put to use my video editing experience, which, you know, I've sort of gradually gotten better at via asynchronous instruction. So last year, for the first time, we included supplementary videos from both students and sponsoring professors talking about the process of writing their pieces or teaching the assignments. You know, uh, Professor Camille Goodison, for example, in the English department had something particularly eloquent to say about teaching during the pandemic. A uh, personal favorite of mine from last year also was a poem that closes out the volume Temple Street by Arnold Chi, which refers to an iconic street in Hong Kong. And that that is very uh, evocative for me. Uh, I'm a, a diasporic Chinese person. My family has roots in Hong Kong. So those are just a couple of things that come to mind when I think about how we were able to bring students' words to life. Uh, because, of course, you know, that the poem was accompanied by an audio uh, version. So uh, that's sort of the past, present, and hopefully future of, of uh, City Tech Writer in a nutshell. Oh, great. 
That's great. I, and I know that you used to do events like have a reading because I've had students contribute work to the um, to the previous alt, you know, alt print version. And so it's nice that you could incorporate this multimedia experience, which maybe replicates a little bit of like the kind of celebratory interactive reading that used to happen when the issues were released, because I, I know that those are really great. And, um, you know, that, that students really felt a kind of a sense of community around the issues, just attending some of those previous readings. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're excited to have a few other events that I'm happy to talk about. Uh, upcoming uh, events in the spring that forge that sense of community because, of course, we're still so scattered. And I know a lot of y'all are doing amazing work in person, instruction under, you know, shall we say, extreme circumstances. So, you know, to, to have something that unites the people who are on campus and the people who are scattered geographically, like City Tech Writer, I find that to be incredibly meaningful uh, as well. well that's excellent. Uh, Yuri kind of already answered this, and, and we talked about how uh, last year's issue was released digitally. Um, I was wondering if you could talk more about uh, the experience of students and faculty who contributed to the issue, and I was wondering if we could get Emily's take on, on that. Well, um, so... <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to just talk about like my personal experience. And when I got asked to put it in City Tech Writer, I've never been in this circumstance before. So I was actually a little bit taken back. Um, but after like Professor Kwong like reached out to me and told me to like edit my work and the potential that it had, it made me realize that I should actually talk more about the situation instead of just, you know, keeping it to myself. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, the way I was raised, you don't really say things. Um, and if something bothers you, you just kind of shrug it off and, you know, other people have it worse than you. But um, I realized that that's not okay anymore. And we should really say what we need to say, even if it does make us feel uncomfortable and if it makes everyone feel like it's an awkward situation. But if no one talks about it, nothing can be resolved. So that's why I really wanted to push and like put this on City Tech Writer to, to talk to other students in the school that have similar like situations or scenarios that I do and hopefully connect with them as well and make them feel like they're not alone and create like a little community within the school. That's how I felt. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I also feel like this, yeah, a general experience that a lot of it's as, you know, as a Filipino American and uh, Asian faculty member, I, I feel like that's an experience that happens to both students and faculty at City Tech. So, yeah. Yeah. And if I may interject, I'll just say, you know, the solidarity between Asian students and faculty, that's kind of in a, a, a microcosm, the relationship that City Tech writers sort of forges between faculty and, and students. And if there's one takeaway that I hope people have, it's that writing is a collaborative process. You know, there is a model of, of writing that thinks of the writer as the lone genius, you know, coming up with their ideas all by themselves alone in the room. Uh, but every single piece in City Tech Writer since its inception has been sponsored by a particular faculty member and is the product of dialogue between the student and, and uh, the, the, the faculty member. And that dialogue, you know, often entails a mutual learning. You know, it's not, it's not just a one-way street. I learned a lot from, Emily's piece about her perspective, you know, because, precisely because there's so much diversity in, in the, even within the Asian community, learning about someone who, who specifically had a New York take, 
you know, was interesting for someone myself uh, being a, a West Coast uh, 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 child. So it was uh, it really illuminating, and I think it testified to the collaborative uh, spirit of, of the journal. And can I ask Lucas and Emily, do, do most of the pieces come out of like a class context? So there's kind of like a, a kind of like a, a previous environment in which a lot of the pieces lived as an assignment, right? And then they kind of morph from there. Um, would you say that that's the majority of pieces? I know that um, I've had one student from the from the past in the dental hygiene program have a piece. Um, and this was maybe like four or five years ago, and. Uh, I had, had a student submit a piece for, for an upcoming issue on social media and identity related to like a library course. So I don't know, Emily, you could speak to this as well, but I don't know how many of the pieces start as like a classroom assignment and then kind of grow from there. So maybe showing the potential for a classroom assignment to like exist in a space that's not just this kind of box that only is a really kind of transactional graded thing and become something more. Um, yeah, so I'd be curious about that or how many students are just submitting work that they're working on like creative creative pieces maybe emily you want to talk about the context of 1121 and i mean i, I actually don't know what the specific prompt was from professor noonan and then i can sort of zoom out and give the, the broader picture yeah um so the assignment was originally about writing like basically a letter on whoever you want but basically talking to yourself within like a five-year context um you could talk about like whatever situation that you were going through at that very moment or something that you aspired to be or something that you wanted to be within the future. But um, I chose what I couldn't stop seeing. And I wanted to like be able to read this in a couple of years and see if I still felt the same way or if society was still in the same position as it was back in 2020, 2021. And so that was my context. And, um, so for me personally, it started off as like a school paper and then um, it definitely sprouted from that and became something a little bit more than that. Um, so really interesting to see like works of art, I mean, works of like writing that I've done actually being read by multiple people. Um, I didn't think, you know, that would actually happen, but it just comes to show that anyone really has potential if you just, you know, really keep your mind to it and just keep writing. Yeah, so that's a great example of of how the pieces start. So every every piece that is submitted to City Tech Writer does begin in some form as a classroom assignment. So uh, unlike say the Literary Arts Festival that just we had just had a fantastic LAF the other day, where the submissions for the awards like the creative nonfiction or the short stories aren't necessarily tied to a class. City Tech Writer's ethos is we want to showcase the best of what the relationship between, you know, student and teacher uh, uh, can produce, you know, as far as the written word goes. Um, that being said, I think Emily's case also speaks to the way that pieces take a, on a life of their own when they travel outside the context of the classroom, right? Because obviously, you're not just writing for your professor anymore. You're not just writing for, you know, other students, for example, who might be familiar with uh, the language that you're using. I'll use a technical example, like in, in dental hygiene, students who are talking about, I don't know, uh, gingivitis, for example, or the anatomy of, of the mouth are going to be using rather technical terms, right, very casually. And so 
when I see a piece that has potential and that is able to speak to a broader audience, uh, part of the task is, okay, let's think about how we can take everything that was good about this piece and sort of craft it in a way that it's it, it has legs and it can stand on its own, speaking to a broader audience that might not know specifically what gingivitis is, right? And so I think that that's a, a really powerful way for um, you know young writers to get used to what can sometimes be an overwhelming experience of seeing, okay, my piece of writing is out there in the world. People can do whatever they want with it. And, you know, as someone who's written quite a bit, sometimes what they do with it and their interpretation is not going to be to your liking too. And you have to kind of deal with that as well. But, um, you know, so the task is, well, how do we try to ensure that it's still speaking to the broadest range of people possible, even though it started as a classroom specific uh, assignment. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey there, it's Professor Kwong in the English Department and editor for CitySect Writer, the journal of outstanding faculty-sponsored student writing. Sometimes, writing for class isn't just about piecing together arguments or citing evidence or even writing a short story. Sometimes it's about crafting words with the intent of translating them into another language, the language of cinema. On April 8th at 11 a.m., I'm inviting you to join a virtual screening of the very first short film and screenplay to be featured in CityTech Writer, AirPods, by communications design student Alvaro Pinozo. We'll screen the film, discuss key moments in the script with Alvaro, and have a Q&A about how screenwriting works. Alvaro's commentary will be featured as part of the upcoming issue, too. To register, head over to openlab.citytech.cuny.edu slash events. And stay tuned for the release of CityTech Writer Volume 17 in early May. CityTech Writer, where words become worlds. Right. So, and, and, you know, since City Tech Writer is now more digital, it's, it's not just all writing, right? There's also like multimedia pieces uh, in the digital issues, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, I don't know, I could talk a little bit about the, the documentary that, um, you know, uh, is tied to Emily's piece now, if, if you'd like. Um, sure. Yeah, so uh, as Emily said, she wrote about her experience as an Asian American navigating the rise in violence against Asians in New York City and other places. And, you know, I should say, particularly, she spoke out of her own experience as an Asian woman. And, you know, a lot, sadly, of the very high profile uh, attacks and, and incidents in NYC have been directed uh, against women. So, you know, being concerned about this issue myself uh, through my own work as a, an activist and also, since I was participating, Junior, as you might know, in a newly formed group for Asian faculty at City Tech, I was thinking about, you know, how could we supplement Emily's essay with visuals that could add another dimension to talking about this experience? Because I think, Emily, you know, you put your finger on something. If we don't talk about it, the problem doesn't go away. And I think a lot of people are just beginning to figure out how to talk about uh, discrimination, possibly because they haven't experienced it to such an intense degree prior to this moment. Of course, sadly, for many people, this has been, you know, uh, a continuation, but for a lot of other people, it is new. So I'm compiling audio, visual, and, and written text from Asian students, staff, and faculty about their experiences during the pandemic. Now, obviously, I want to give an outlet to anyone who wants to spotlight difficult or traumatic experiences but my hope is that anyone thinking about submitting also has an opportunity to talk about what they love about their identity of being Asian in, in New York, uh, in our context. And um, I think that's incredibly valuable, even if you're not 
Asian, even if you come from another uh, ethnicity, because that adds to the strength of, of our community when everybody is free to express and, and put words to their experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it's incredibly valuable to be able to express a counter narrative and to do it in a medium that pairs visuals with, um, with text. I think that just shows off another facet of what words can do. Words are not just uh, uh, confined to the page. And uh, you know, on that note, that brings me to the other big supplementary uh, events that, that we'll be hosting this spring on April 8th. Uh, we are gonna be uh, doing a virtual screening of the first short film that we've featured in City Tech, obviously City Tech Writer. Obviously we couldn't do that in the print edition. So this is gonna be a short film by Comdi student Alvaro Pinoza called AirPods, a very amusing uh, witty film. And we're gonna talk about the script writing process, how to translate the written word into cinema. So that's gonna be super fun. And we're gonna take some of the commentary from that. And that'll be featured in uh, the uh, final issue of City Tech Writer. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, I was wondering too, I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, this issue um, in particular and the, and the documentary work and also just the multimedia work as a way of bringing in, you know, students um, who maybe feel disconnected, especially in this moment. And I know in your intro, Atilio, you talked a little bit about the experience of like just coming to campus for the for the first time after being part of City Tech for, you know, the last couple of years and being a faculty and just feeling kind of um, remote, which I think is an experience that a lot of new faculty and also students, I know most of the students taking English 1101 who are in these comp classes and who are many of the contributors to City Tech Writer, um, just from being um, on campus, you know, the, I've been on campus since, um, since August. And so a lot of students are coming into the library and they are just like, we, I've never been here, even though I've been a student here for a couple of years. So I don't know if you want to talk, Atilio, about, I don't know, just because I feel like some of the listeners to this podcast will also share your experience of maybe never having been to City Tech or, um, you know, have kind of experienced City Tech in, in a way that is a little different than maybe what, what most students were experiencing a couple of years ago. So if you want to talk a little bit about that or maybe even just incorporating um, how you're incorporating multimedia, it sounds like you have a lot of background in, in kind of multimedia, um, in, you know, in your curriculum and how that's maybe an outlet for, for students. I know that just in my own teaching, um, I've adapted, I've used a ton more multimedia just because, you know, of also technology limitations. Like I started doing the voice memo because some students are typing on their phones, you know what I mean? Um, as like an alternative writing assignment. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you, Atelio, just about your experience of being remote and kind of thinking about digital education and connecting with students in this remote space. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start off with um, uh, with, with, start, with just uh, starting at City Tech. Um, I actually definitely think that the, the, th the two things you mentioned are, are definitely related. Um, just, uh, you know, definitely uh, me uh, reaching out uh, to Professor Kong was uh, was partly just to, you know, uh, be, be a bit, you know, feel like a bigger part of the community. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting um, also just uh, because I do definitely understand um, or, you know, understand that there are specific challenges with, uh, with being remote, but I actually had started, had on, only had remote teaching experience up until very, uh, very uh, recently. So it was, um, it, it, it was, uh, 
I, I think like I found the transition to be um uh you know not as uh as jarring uh just just because of kind of how I operate in general but what I definitely um uh you know did did kind of miss is that uh uh you know that kind of community that that you get like if you're in a classroom and and you know it's it, it's just you you get to you get to like know your students and kind of uh kind of uh like you get to get feedback that you don't get in a remote environment um and uh that that also uh kind of just got me thinking about you know so how are we you know so we're in the situation where we can't really you know interact with each other uh in the ways we're used to um so what what would be, you know, like, how can I help, uh, like, interesting ideas or whatever get get across? And so I think that that's a especially interesting part about uh, working on technology um, like this. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a software engineer, um, and I, I've worked uh, uh, like with startups and, and larger uh, companies uh, before. But um, Something that really attracted me to this uh, was that uh, it's actually uh, doing something that I think is uh, is pretty important uh, and interesting. Uh, and uh, I think in industry, um, it's unfortunately very rare you get to work on something that uh, that aligns with uh, what what you actually want to do. Um, so uh, I just uh, like we were mentioned, uh, like for example, Professor Kong are, are talking about about how to how to uh, designing you know the interface for uh, for you know this presenting the documentary, and I think it's really exciting because you know now now we get to um, combine kind of different kind of conceptual ideas and and you know iterate over different kinds of designs like quickly, and it just uh, it, it just makes me really excited to to be able to you know showcase uh stuff in in dynamic ways um i hope hopefully that made sense <laughs> i didn't appreciate the library at city tech prior to being in the dental hygiene program sure it was useful for resources but i was mostly able to manage at home however because the dental hygiene program is much more vigorous than any of the courses i'd previously taken i now realize that it did help to be outside and away from all the distractions i like to sit in the back cubicles on the second floor for quiet study only. Away from the traffic of students entering and leaving the library, I found peace of mind knowing I was dedicating specific time to learning. Furthermore, I now realize what a treat it was to get lunch on the way home from one of the many shops near the college. A sense of accomplishment would wash over me on my way home. It was a productive day. Hey folks, it's Professor Kwong from the English Department and editor of City Tech Writer, City Tech's Journal of Outstanding Faculty-Sponsored Student Writing, with an excerpt from last year's issue. This third paragraph of Diana Diaz's Overnight Pandemic offers some lovely imagery in support of Diana's broader point in the piece, which is about how the COVID-19 crisis transformed her experience of college in general and the dental hygiene program in particular. It's an example of the lyrical observations that you can expect to find in the upcoming issue of City Tech Writer, which we'll be releasing in the first week of May. If you've never submitted to the journal, head to citytechwriter.com now to get inspired to enter something for next year's issue. City Tech Writer, where words become worlds. I was wondering, like, since we're talking about technology so much and things like that, like, if you think City Tech Writer's uh, since we're using, you know, obviously we're conducting this interview over Zoom uh, and a lot more people are kind of using 
uh, social media uh, as well. Um, and I was wondering if there's like, do you believe that since City Tech Writer is now going to be available digitally, and it has been, uh, the impact on like social media presence um, with that, if, if, if you all have any opinions about it? Say, you know, certainly we're going to do our best to use all available uh, platforms to sort of like amplify the, uh, the, the content of of city tech writer and i do think you know the we the coincidence of the pandemic with kind of like the explosion of opportunities to connect online is pretty fortuitous i mean if you think about it zoom right uh sure we've had skype for a while but but you know if this pandemic had hit i don't know 15 years ago like it would have been you know I, I, to me anyway like there would have been a lot more challenges Right. So um, I don't want to call it a silver lining per se, but I do think like it is uh, important to, you know, go into use of things like Twitter and uh, uh, Instagram or whatever it is, open eyed, aware of its limitations, but also aware that this is how language evolves now. You know, uh, in my classes uh, with Comp One, for example, like sometimes we do like analyze tweets we talk about tweets as a form of discourse a form of of speaking to an audience and why the the language in a tweet might be different from the language in in an essay so absolutely i think social media is going to continue to be an important part of how we teach writing whether in city tech writer or any other venue so oh, um i mean i i i was teaching remotely for the past few years um our research and documentation course. And we always cover social media, but I really changed up the course to focus on social media and identity as like the starting place because everyone was just spending so much of their social life online and thinking about what it meant to connect with people. And I felt like that was like a good entree into the course, which, you know, covers like a lot of different things like digital privacy and, um, you know, other kinds of things related to communication platforms, research, and how those things all kind of coalesce. So it's not, you know, it wasn't even, even we even do stuff like facial recognition. It's a very dystopian class mostly. Um, but I think that start the starting place of thinking about everyone kind of reflecting on their own identity and their own use of social media as like a way to connect. And so there was like the good and the bad and the ugly of that was like a really actually good way for everyone to sort of learn about each other in a space where we're remote. Um, even though we weren't necessarily like all hanging out on discord or anything like after school. Um, so I actually found it really helpful just to reflect on my own habits too. So, I mean, this maybe is like something like, I, I, cause I can imagine like with Atelier's uh, perspective of like, teaching people who have never been to campus and you're like me too like I've also never been to campus and having that like kind of weird common space that is a little bit different I mean I, I've thought a lot about you know I, I missed I, I'm very much into um, you know in-person learning I usually teach a place-based course which I could not teach online I'm very excited to teach it right now but um you know thinking about the kind of the the distance, but also the intimacy of like being, you know, having these one-on-ones sometimes with students during office hours and like we're both in our, our homes, you know what I mean? Like some, our pets are there or like our husbands in the background, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It, it does, it is this weird kind of space where there is kind of a social um, proximity that isn't, that's different than the classroom where you're kind of in some ways like more aware of each other's um, social and, and, um, 
social life, like outside of, of the classroom, right? Because usually you only have that one context. So I found that to be an interesting element of, of online ed, um, for sure. So there's probably some, some pros and cons, but I imagine connecting to students over that um, is probably something that a lot of new faculty experience during the pandemic. Um, so you mentioned the event you guys have coming up um, with the film screening on uh, April 8th, yeah. And so I just wanted to, I guess, ask if there's any um, other kind of things you have coming up or things you wanna share. Um, I, we like to kind of just get recommendations from folks around the podcast about things they're watching and listening to or things that are inspiring them, uh, you know. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm just gonna, you know, other people could, could jump in after me, but thank you, because I, I totally forgot. There are two other events that are pretty important for cities tech, right? One is the reception, which will happen on May 5th, which will be the release of volume 17. So we're looking forward to that. There will also be a virtual screening of the Asian American documentary. And maybe I should take this opportunity to say, I'm still uh, welcoming stories. You know, Emily's is just one of so many stories. Uh, so if you have a story that about being Asian at City Tech in New York, uh, go to openlab.citytech.community, no, sorry, <laughs> openlab.whatever the URL is, slash City Tech Writer, and uh, click on the subpage about uh, compiling uh, footage for the documentary. Um, so that's, that's everything that, that you know, I think we have going on right now. If you want to read last year's issue, please go to citytechwriter.com and be inspired by last year's uh, work. Emily, maybe you want to talk a little bit about your uh, work as a, I know you don't like the word influencer, but where people can find your your portfolio online and your, your web presence. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, my Instagram is HU and then Emily, um, my last name, my first name reversed. Um, that's actually how I got most of my internships. Um, I currently intern at HBO Max as like their brand social marketing. And previously I was at Nickelodeon. Um, so I helped like navigate and strategize like what is trending and how to say certain things based on a certain audience and how to read analytics and data based on social. Um, so it's very interesting on both like the influencer side and from the corporate side because you learn so much and you have access to a lot more tools that the average everyday person doesn't have. So just being able to see that is really, it, it makes you think more about what you post and like how you should say less and how you should share less because everything that you say and do is monitored and <laughs> people will find out. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> the internet is forever right <laughs> As <they> yeah <laughs> nothing nothing gets taken back even if you delete it <laughs> <laughs> very true um i don't know junior do you want to do any plugs for stuff you're working on um let's see what am i working on um listen to city tech stories that's that's pretty much all i can really recommend um yeah, and, and, you know, visit the library website. Uh, we have several new resources. Uh, we have a, a new database. Speaking of, like, documentaries and, and films, we, have, we actually have a brand-new database uh, called Swink that uh, users, that students and faculty can log in and they can watch films. Uh, I actually just watched Black Klansman um, over Swink a few days ago. 
it's a yeah a really a really interesting film um really interesting spike lee film so yeah, we have we have we actually have two new streaming databases. I've been been using the academic video online database a bunch because um, it has a lot of. I'm like really into a uh, kind of history of social movement organizing, so they have a lot of the third world newsreel um, films from the '70s. So I screened Break and Enter in my class this week, which is you know a very low budget documentary about Operation Move In um, and uh, Puerto Rican residents in Upper Manhattan uh, taking over abandoned buildings. Um, and kind of the coalition building during the housing crisis then. And it's kind of just like a full circle thing too. I mean, we're talking about a lot of things that are, you know, the Art Deco, the Art Deco coming to the future. So it's it's interesting to see how many of these things cycle around as we, um, my students are really, um, I guess, very aware of the housing crisis that's happening now. And then the context of thinking about the housing crisis in the seventies and how people responded um, through kind of just community coalition guerrilla squatting, um, which was, I think, hopefully inspiring to some of them as they work on their final projects, which are spatial interventions. So maybe they'll take over a squat. I, I, I'm not sure, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of organizing, sorry, I tell you, do you want to talk about Data for Black Lives? I know that's a, a project that you were involved in at some point. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I um, have been lucky enough uh, to uh, work uh, with the founders of uh, uh, this organization called Data for Black Lives. Um, and um, they are, um, as an, they're uh, really great and they're working kind of on, um, on making kind of uh, data science and specifically like uh, you know AI programs uh, accountable, uh, and they have a lot of like really uh, really brilliant people uh, working for them. And so I've been lucky enough to uh, help uh, with their uh, uh, you know digital infrastructure and uh, hel uh, help set up uh, di uh, their digital products projects online. Um, so definitely, uh, it's it's a fantastic resource um and uh has has lots of uh you know independent research uh put out that uh, that i would recommend everyone check out um so i i think we're gonna wrap up but before i do um since we've been talking about films and movies as, um and and things like that I'm, I'm curious on what everyone's been like listening to or, or watching or if you have any recommendations for like films or, or music master by mariama diallo uh i just watched on Prime. It's a combination of social commentary and horror. It's set on a very posh uh, private school uh, setting. And, you know, I just, I thought it was so incisive about, you know, the, the struggles that minorities experience on, you know, uh, majority white campuses, which can literally feel like a horror show uh, sometimes. So master on Amazon Prime. I recently saw um, this movie called, uh, I think it's called The First, uh, The First and Last Men. Um, and it, uh, I actually really enjoyed it, but I didn't know, I didn't anticipate that I would. It's a movie uh, with no people, uh, only still shots of uh, brutalist architecture in black and white. Um, but Tilda Swinton narrates it from the future. So that, that was, that was enough for me. And it was, it was great. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds really yeah, it's good. Really good. 
Um, I want to drive my car last night, which I've been, I've been wanting to see because I, we, we usually try to do all the Oscar stuff leading up to the Oscars, just cause I, I especially have been appreciating how much more international cinema has made its way into the Oscar universe. And it's three hours long, it's worth it. But we were just like, me and my husband were like, we need to, to wait till we have time through the three hours. So we did it last night. Um, and it, it's really good, especially like in the way that it is, um, a movie about connection and disconnection and like it uses this really I'm, I'm like a theater buff too so I'm a sucker for a play within a play or a play within a movie so it has a it has a Chekhov like Chekhovian frame um so at the center of the of the piece is, is about a director who's directing Uncle Vanya um and he he has this theater method where he has all of the characters um coming from different backgrounds he's Japanese and so he, he has some of the people are speaking Japanese but the other characters um you know who are playing different roles all speak different languages so the play ends up becoming about how to communicate um when you don't speak the same language so he has one of the actors who plays Sonia, which is like a really important role in Uncle Vanya, um, does Korean sign language. And there's a Korean, you know, a Korean, um, someone speaking Korean and there's someone speaking Mandarin. And it's amazing. He just makes them work from the text and almost like absorb the text into their bodies <laughs> and then develop a real relationship with each other um, based on their understanding of the text and their understanding of time, like the time it takes for one person to speak and then when it's time for the next person to speak. And so you, they're able to make, put on a play in many languages without ever speaking the same language. It's like really pretty amazing. Um, so I saw that last night and on Thursday, I went to go see a real life performance in the city. I haven't seen that many plays, but I am a, a theater buff. So I saw um, at Ars Nova, A Ratio for Living Things um, by Heather Christian. And she's a, um, a composer and she mostly does, I've seen her mostly do like autobiographical work with composition. It always features a lot of musicians on stage, but this was interesting. She wasn't in it. It was all sung. Um, it was, you know, in a ratio. Um, and so about a third of it was in Latin and it was, it was cool because I just had like two nights of having like really moving um, kind of theatrical and movie experiences in which a lot of the languages, like you, I didn't know them. And with the ratio, like you just, you know, you let it wash over you, like, but a third of it is in Latin. So like, you don't really understand the text, but you understand kind of so much of what's happening behind, behind the, um, behind the text because of, the voices are so evocative so I'm just like having a week of like just like listening to things that I don't understand but having a real emotional reaction to them <laughs> great how about you Emily yeah um it's quite ironic because like I work in the entertainment industry but because of that it makes me not want to watch shows <laughs> so I watch things mainly just to pull content to post on social so I finally got to watch Game of Thrones that I was like refusing to watch for years um Sex Lives of College Girls and just like that uh Pretty Little Liars and like trying to watch everything as quickly as I can to understand the concept behind like the storyline and what the memes are about um and like euphoria and things like that so I'm I don't physically like watch a show thoroughly. I like hop in between shows which I know is not the best <laughs> but it's like it works for me it's <laughs> great it's excellent um okay well I, I just want to thank everyone for you know being on the podcast today uh any other final thoughts or, or plugs that you all would like to make 
CityTechWriter.com, I guess. <laughs> you know, one more time, just in case it was unclear what we're talking about. We'll we'll put links uh, in the show notes to City Tech Writer and everything. Uh, I just want to thank you all for taking the time to you know talk about City Tech Writer and the, of course you know the the important work you know uh, surrounding this year's theme. Um, so thanks um, and uh, yeah, just tune in uh, next time for more episodes from uh, City Tech Stories. Thanks everybody. Thanks for having me. Have you ever thought that the sole purpose of life is survival? From the moment of birth, the most important quest to conquer is mere existence. Reaching for sunlight, plants grow to keep green and stay alive. Searching for water, shelter, and food, animals all over Earth survive in the circle of life. On the other hand, receiving an education, finding a job, and working are how humans make their dreams a reality. In the end, all forms of life are looking to fulfill their survival mechanisms. In the book Parable of the Sower, Octavia E. Butler relates survival back to the most essential human needs, imbuing it with stronger meaning. Reading such a book about survival while living in a period of world historical crisis can transform words into a reality and the reader into the book's protagonist. Hey folks, it's Professor Kwong from the English Department and editor of City Tech Writer, City Tech's journal of outstanding faculty-sponsored student writing, with an excerpt from last year's issue. The first paragraph of Jorge L. Calle's Survival is the Only Option opens Jorge's reflection on Octavia Butler's contemporary sci-fi classic, The Parable of the Sower. What I like about the paragraph is the way that it juxtaposes imagery from the natural world with the human pursuits of education and professional labor. This creates a thought-provoking backdrop for his consideration of how Butler's novel illustrates the quest for survival. It's an example of the mind-expanding writing that you can expect from the upcoming issue of City Tech Writer, which we'll be releasing in the first week of May. If you've never submitted to the journal, head to citytechwriter.com now to get inspired by Jorge's words as well as those of other contributors to Volume 60, and consider having one of your professors sponsor a work that you wrote this semester for next year's issue. City Tech Writer, where words become worlds.